Coming up on the Keto Cam Podcast, we have Abby from House of Keto. Like when I started being overweight, the fat for my diet should have been coming from my stored body fat. Um, so I didn't know that in the beginning. So I was over consuming fat and yeah, it works. My body is still going to go into the metabolic state of ketosis, but it still has to burn through that dietary fat before it gets to the stored body fat. Um, so I like to remind people that the fat in your ketogenic diet, if you are overweight and trying to lose weight, should primarily be coming from your food. Pick a protein, pick a low carb veggie and cook it in fat. Um, but intentionally consuming fat, you know, adding six tablespoons of butter to a piece of bacon just for the heck of it because it's keto. Yeah, you'll stay in the metabolic state of ketosis. You'll probably show up, you know, red on your little piece strip. But are you burning stored body fat? The body still has to work through that dietary fat that you're consuming before it moves to the stored body fat. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, the host of the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you for pressing play today. You can learn more about me over at benazadi.com. We have an inspirational, fun conversation today with Abby. She's the founder of House of Keto, and she's going to share how she lost 130 pounds, how she went from being depressed, eating a breakfast of a pack of blueberry muffins, chugging down juice, postpartum depression, being diagnosed with pain in her breast that led to what they thought was breast cancer, but ended up being six centimeters of a mass that the doctors recommended. They performed chemo and surgery. And uh, you're going to hear what she did instead of chemo and surgery. She actually did a 41-day fast. She first did a 21-day fast, and then she did a 41-day fast. And the mass in her breast went from six centimeters to zero. It's a perfect example of your amazing human body. You heard it in the intro. You are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. Within your body is the innate intelligence. No doctor, no surgery, no pill, no shot. Nothing, no supplement can replace what you have that's within your cells right now. And Abby tapped into that innate intelligence, which she'll share today. Super inspiring. You're gonna love her energy, her attitude. She's also gonna share how her kids are keto, and mostly keto, carnivore-ish, whole foods-based, and how she gets a whole bunch of hate on TikTok, Instagram for abusing her children. I mean, how dare Abby not give her kids processed carbs? People get offended. People have actually reported her. Crazy. She's also going to share for you parents out there or aspiring parents like myself, how to transition your kids to eating whole foods. Maybe it's keto, maybe not, but how do you do it? She's going to explain how she did it her kids were eating a standard American diet. Now they're eating carnivore keto, whole foods based. She will share her strategies for that. So I can't wait to bring her on. We're also going to be speaking at three events together this year, which we'll drop links for down below. Before I bring her on, I want to get to the Apple podcast rating and review of the day. Five-star review from Blea399. A wealth of knowledge. I have learned so much from this podcast. I really like the variety of guests you bring on and all the knowledge they bring. I'm constantly learning and changing my health journey. My mom and sister also listen, and we love talking about the episodes. We each take away something different from each one. Thank you for this podcast. That is so cool. I love that you, your mom, and your sister listen. So hi, mom. Hi, sister. 
Hi, Blaya. Thank you so much for listening. I love that you talk about the episodes. How cool. How cool. Thank you so much for listening. Keep listening. We'll keep uh, releasing episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And I'm super grateful all three of you are listening and talking about the shows. Hey, if you have not left the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and review, please do so. I encourage you to do so right now on any podcast platform you listen to. It really helps the show grow, expand, and change more lives. Before I bring Abby on, I want to let you know that only three times per year, I take a small group of 20 people or less, and I take them through a 90-day detox protocol. I believe that toxins, specifically heavy metals like mercury, lead, pesticides, herbicides, mycotoxins, are the number one cause for inflammation in your body. Worse than seed oils, vegetable oils, worse than sugar, worse than cigarettes, and drugs. Now, those are all bad. Don't get me wrong. But toxins stick around. They bioaccumulate, especially mercury, in the brain, and they create upstream dysregulation, hidden stressors, and it just creates chronic inflammation, inflammaging, if you will. So for 90 days, I take a small group and I teach them true cellular detox. Most of the detox protocols out there are downstream. Detox is in vogue. You go to Whole Foods, you see a whole shelf, cilantro, detox teas and enemas, and all that could be okay when done right, but that's downstream. I'm going to teach upstream. How do you actually open up downstream detox pathways? How do you actually detox toxins from within your cells, from around your receptor sites, from your brain? Now, this is exactly what I teach, and this is the protocol that was taught to me from my mentor, Dr. Daniel Pampa. So he's actually a part of this 90-day detox program. So is my colleague, Dr. Mindy Pels, and many other colleagues that I work with in the Platinum program. So we give you access to a online portal called the True Cellular Detox Portal. You also get a monthly coaching call with me and the other members, and you get the supplements are included along with the testing kits. We provide a Metaoxy testing kit, which is 50 times more accurate than any blood test looking at membrane inflammation. It's a urine test, very easy to do. So we give you that. And as we go through the detox journey, we're going to see the test improve, your symptoms improve, and it'll upgrade your keto and fasting results. So if you want to learn more about this, hopefully you're hearing this on time. This is actually the first time I'm announcing it to the public. Head to ketocampdetox.com. Camp with a K. Ketocampdetox.com. I'll drop a link down below in the show notes. Go get signed up for it. Learn about it and register for it. Once we reach 20 people, we're closing it out. And then the next group will not launch probably until the summer. So hope to help you on this detox journey and learn more about it over at ketocampdetox.com. Here's a quick note from the episode sponsor. I always say structure trumps intention. You could have all the best intentions in the world, but if you don't have the structure in place, it's going to be very difficult to get the amazing keto and fasting results that you want. If you are on the go traveling and you don't want to think about what can you eat to help you feel satisfied and to help you continue getting results on your keto journey, for me, my structure when I'm on the go, when I'm traveling, and when I want to have something nearby that's a healthy snack, my go-to is Paleo Valley's Beef Sticks. Paleo Valley Beef Sticks are the perfect gut-friendly, clean protein snack for on the go. And if you have children, this is one of the best things to give your kids. These beef sticks are 100% grass-fed and finished by farmers right here in the United States. They contain naturally occurring probiotics, which helps increase the diversity in your gut. It contains organic spices. It has high concentrations of omega-3 fatty acids, elevated levels of conjugated linoleic acid, which we know is an antioxidant and also could enhance your body's ability to burn fat. It contains vitamins and minerals, elevated concentrations of glutathione, which is your body's master antioxidant, and it's good for the environment. They have flavors that range from original to garlic summer sausage, regular summer sausage, jalapeno, teriyaki, and they also have turkey sticks available as well. They taste so good that I usually go through three or four, and I think I might set the record for eating almost 10 
Paleo Valley beef sticks. Maybe somebody out there has eaten more than me in one sitting. You know, me and my fiance, Natasia, we're always fighting over these beef sticks in our house. We go into the pantry and I hear her unwrapping it and I'm like, hey, are you eating one of my beef sticks? <laughs> They are delicious, and since you are an avid listener of the Keto Camp Podcast, we worked out an exclusive deal for you to get 15% off your entire order of Paleo Valley products. All you need to do is head to paleovalley.com and use the coupon code KETOCAMP15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order. That is KETOCAMP15 at checkout. We'll also drop a link down below in the show notes. All right, let's talk with Abby from House of Keto. Abby started the ketogenic lifestyle in 2017 after doing just about every other diet. You're going to hear about that. She has an amazing website, thehouseofketo.com, with success stories. She has an awesome blog, some recipes. She does keto meal plans. She's cooking all the time on Instagram and her amazing TikTok channel. Here is Abby. Okay, Abby. House of Keto in the Keto Camp House. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's good to see you, Ben. Good to see you too. I just love the work that you're doing. You're making keto very accessible and practical, especially for families and, and yeah. parents and, and moms and dads. So we'll get into all that. But you have a really inspirational story of pain to purpose to promise Weighing your heaviest was around 260 pounds, size 20, postpartum depression. You explained your breakfast used to be a pack of blueberry muffins and juice. <laughs> so how did you go from that to the house of keto? Yeah, it's a crazy story. I mean, I was just, like you said, I uh, was dealing with postpartum depression, just feeling really bad. I feel like I'm one of those people that have been like overweight my entire life. Uh, always on a diet, never losing weight, never actually uh, healthy, but just always feeling like I was in this mind space that I needed to do more. I needed to eat less. I needed to move more, but never really the mental health uh, sides of that. So I started trying to work out like doing a regular, you know, like low calorie, uh, it was pretty high carb diet, but I just, I felt horrible still. Like I still felt hungry all the time. Um, I still felt like I needed food uh, constantly. And it was a trainer of mine that actually recommended that I give keto a try. And I freaked out. I'm like, this sounds horrible. Like this sounds like I'm going to die. Mind you, I hadn't cared about my health up until that point. You know, I didn't think about the fact that I was going to die from possibly having diabetes or heart disease or all of these other things. But as soon as you tell me I can eat sausage, I'm like, wait a second, you know, which we see that every day in the keto community, everyone becomes like health conscious as soon as they hear full fat. But they hit the Taco Bell drive-through a couple times a week. So I was definitely one of those people in the beginning, um, but I spent a considerable amount of time, probably about six weeks, just being like super obsessive about uh, learning about it because I didn't want to die. You know, all the first things that I Googled came up and said, you're, you know, you're going to die from this. It's the most horrible thing ever. But I agreed to give it a try. And within the first week and a half, uh, I definitely noticed a change. One of the biggest things I noticed was that I just, I felt better. I did not feel deprived. Um, I didn't feel like, this is the worst thing ever. Like, I didn't feel like I just wanted to jump. Um, like, I felt like this is actually something that I could do. These are foods that I already love. And it was something that was really cool because keto was a little salacious. Like, not very many people were doing it um, at the time when I started five years ago. So I think that was kind of intriguing for me also. Did you get any symptoms when you started to make the, the transition to getting fat adapted? You know, what's interesting is, even though I spent all of that time doing the, the research that I did before I started, I personally don't think that I experienced uh, much of that at the time, like I was working out, but everything that I would do throughout the week in the gym, like I would go to the gym and I was probably given like 5% effort, to be honest. Like I could barely run. I could barely like get my feet off the ground that much. It was just, it was horrible. I was embarrassed. You know, the gym is for people like me. And I just, I felt so uncomfortable there. Um, but I would say I actually, for me, it was the opposite. I know a lot of people experience keto flu, but I experienced um, this surge of energy where I felt like just incredible. And my mind, I think I told myself every time I ate a cheese stick, it was like a superpower. So I got rid of my C4 to start working out. And I was mm. eating like a cheese stick every time before um, I went to the gym. But I didn't really notice that like I was experiencing keto flu. The one thing I will say is that 
I think because the foods that I was eating were fattier. Like I hadn't had full fat anything in my house, like ever. I never bought it. Whenever I was ready to binge, I would just order it or run out to the grocery store. Um, but it wasn't something that I stopped. But I will say that I noticed um, in the beginning, I just, I felt just like, ugh, like heavy. It felt like so much. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to do this. And one morning, like for the first time in my life, I forgot to eat breakfast. That literally never happened to me. And I was like, wait a second. I felt amazing. Um, and that's kind of how I worked my way into fasting. It kind of happened naturally for me. Um, then it was really cool because I was like, oh, wait a second. I have all these macros that I get to now split up between lunch and dinner instead of trying to make you know, these huge meals that I was used to eating fit in my macros. So that's really how I got into fasting. But I felt heavy and weighed down. I think I was also doing it wrong in the beginning. You know, back then there wasn't as much research as there is out now. So we were going by that, you know, don't go to bed until you eat all your fat macros. Um, and for someone who's overweight, that's not necessarily the way to do it. So I'd be on the verge of, of vomiting. Like, like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep up with this. Like, I don't even like cream cheese. Um, and so then I started to do a little bit more research and started to say, oh, hey, this is something that's supposed to happen naturally. Like I'm not actually hungry. So I shouldn't be eating. And I was kind of able to adjust um, with that. Yeah, you make a good point there. Well, first of all, good job even going to the gym, even when you were overweight and you probably didn't feel like being there. I remember when I was obese, 2007, 2008, I didn't even go to the gym. I was embarrassed. I was like, I can't show up at the gym. I don't even know what I'm doing. People are going to look at me. So I worked out at home because of that embarrassment. So kudos to you for actually going to the gym. Thank you. It's hard. Sometimes the, the heaviest weight at the gym is the front door, right? Just oh, getting into that gym. So good job to you for, for showing up. The second point you made that was great was the you accidentally discovered fasting. A lot of people do that. And that's a, a great sign for those who are new to keto or fasting, listening or watching. If you accidentally skip a meal or you intentionally skip a meal and you feel better, like Abby said, you actually have more energy, you feel really good, that is a great sign. It means your metabolism is becoming more flexible, more efficient. But the opposite is true. If you skip a meal and you get hangry and you can't focus and you're a jerk to everybody, then you still have some work to do. Maybe you got to do keto a little bit more before you fast. And then the other point that you brought up, and I want you to explain a little bit more about this, the keto macros, the charts that we go, we go on Google and we see like 75% have to come from fat, et cetera. That could do people a big disservice. Like you mentioned, if you're overweight, the you don't have to eat all that dietary fat. You can get it from your body fat. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So that's one of the biggest things um, that I see now. And just when people say I tried keto and it didn't work, I'm like, I can almost guarantee you're doing it wrong. I've never met a person that keto didn't work for. Um, but there's a lot of misinformation out there because keto is known as being a high fat diet. Um, people think that you need to consume it um, in order for it to be a ketogenic diet. So one of the first things I like to let people know is that the metabolic state of ketosis is not synonymous with weight loss. So you could be in ketosis and you could gain weight. You can be in ketosis. You could stay the exact same. You could be in ketosis and you can lose weight. And really what your goals are are going to determine what you need to do. If you are someone who is underweight, or even if you are trying to do bodybuilding, you're trying to put on muscle, you are probably someone who needs to eat more fat. My children um, also eat this way. There's people that I would intentionally give more fat because I don't want them um, to use their stored body fat because they are at uh, an appropriate weight. But for myself, like when I started being overweight, the fat for my diet should have been coming from my stored body fat. Um, so I didn't know that in the beginning. So I was over consuming fat and yeah, it works. My body is still going to go into the metabolic state of ketosis, but it still has to burn through that dietary fat before it gets to the stored body fat. Um, so I like to remind people that the fat in your ketogenic diet, if you are overweight and trying to lose weight, should primarily be coming from your food. Pick a protein, pick a low carb veggie and cook it in fat. Um, but intentionally consuming fat, you know, adding six tablespoons of butter to a piece of bacon just for the heck of it because it's keto. Yeah, you'll stay in the metabolic state of ketosis. You'll probably show up, you know, red on your little pea strip. But are you burning stored body fat? The body still has to work through that dietary fat that you're consuming before it moves to the stored body fat. So once I was able to understand that, I was really able to adjust. I think there's it's great that there's all of this information out there about keto, but most of it is wrong. And that's the hard part. People go, they just Google and they just, they go for it. Um, and keto is probably one of the easiest diets to gain weight on. Number one, food's delicious. Number two, it can be really high fat. 
So if you're not careful about the way that you're doing it, then it is going to be easy um, to gain weight on it. So, you know, we see the 75% fat or some places will say even 80% fat uh, for someone who's overweight. Yeah, you can have those fat macros available to you if you feel hungry. But after the first few days, your overconsumption of fat should really start to come into check. And it should really just be the fatty proteins that you're eating um, or the healthy fats that you're cooking um, your foods in and not, you know, I've seen people not go to bed before they eat a whole stick of cream cheese. And I'm just like, you're, you're working against yourself or the overconsumption of MCT oils for people that are overweight. They're just adding MCT oil to everything. I've never used MCT oil. I've lost 130 pounds of keto, never used MCT oil. I use it for my children. Um, my husband was using it in his coffee, but it's not something that I absolutely need to use. Better brain function, cognitive ability, focus, all that stuff. All that stuff is great, but I can already get that from just eating my regular ketogenic diet and not adding in um, any supplements. So that's probably one of the main things that I see that people are doing wrong. And I know from experience because I was doing it wrong and I felt absolutely horrible. Yeah, I think that's going to be a light bulb moment for a lot of people listening, some of the keto campers, especially those who are new. In the beginning, I agree with what Abby said, you want an abundance of healthy fats. Maybe you want to hit that 85%, 80% or so, maybe the first seven days. So your body, as you're lowering the carbs, your body starts burning the dietary fat so you can start producing ketones. But once you're fat adapted, meaning you're in ketosis, then you could scale down the fat, especially if you have extra body fat. So if you're adding the MCT oil to your coffee, the butter, the extra virgin olive oil on your salad dressings and all the excessive fat, no need for that. Your body could get that from your body fat. So just get the natural occurring fat and the proteins and your body will lose some more weight. So that's a great tip right there. I want to take a quick break here to share with you about the dangers of taking fish oil. I know, shocking. I was somebody who took fish oil every single day for years. And then I came across a ton of research showing the dangers of consuming fish oil. I immediately found an amazing product called Pureform. Pureform is a plant-based omega. And the cool thing about Pureform is that it is uniquely processed with nitrogen to preserve it and make sure it does not oxidize. These essential fatty acids are cold pressed and you get the proper balance of omega-6 and omega-3 to feed your cells what it desires. We know that life begins and ends at the cell membrane. And when you have the proper fats, the building blocks for those cell membranes, all of a sudden, your fat-burning hormones can do its job. So you lose weight. All of a sudden, your cells produce energy, so you feel good. So we know that cellular health is key for performance and longevity. So I've been taking Pureform every single day. My dog takes it every single day. So does my girlfriend and my mom. This is how much I love the product. If you want to get your bottle delivered to your door, head over to purelifescience.com. Check them out, order a bottle or two, and you'll be amazed by how you feel after taking this just after a few days. That is purelifescience.com. Use the coupon code Ben four to apply a $4 off coupon. That is Ben, B-E-N, and the number four. International shipping is available. Okay, let's go back into this episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. You went from accidentally skipping a meal and practicing intermittent fasting to completing a 40-day 40, 40 water fast. 41. 41. Oh, I'm sorry. 41. I'm sorry. Yeah, I got to get that extra day. Can't get you short there. 41 day water fast. Why did you decide to do a 41 day water fast? And tell us your journey throughout that. Yeah. So 41 days is my longest fast. My second longest fast was 21 days. My third longest fast is 14 days. The only one that I did just because like, just let me see how long I could fast would be my 14 day fast. Um, about two and a half years ago, I got diagnosed with a rare uh, breast disease that looks like breast cancer, acts like breast cancer, and is treated like breast cancer. They just can't find a cancer cell um, until they uh, completely remove the woman's breast. And then inside of these hard masses, they find cancer cells. Um, at the time of my diagnosis, there was less than a thousand women in America that had this disease. 
only four in my state and I was the worst that they saw. So basically nobody knew what they were looking at. Nobody knew what they were doing. They wanted to treat me as though I was a cancer patient, but they could not find a cancer cell. So it limited me on the resources that I had available, um, but it also limited me on uh, the information that my doctors had to be able to treat me. I live in Maryland and we have a real lot of uh, really great medical schools here, Johns Hopkins University of Maryland. Um, I have a team of about 14 doctors and it was just, it was a really miserable time. I was in uh, the worst pain that I've ever been in, in my entire life, in and out of the hospital, narcotics, steroids, all of these things just completely destroyed my body. And nobody really knew how to help me or how to treat uh, this disease. It's called idiopathic granuloma mastitis. And granulomas are basically clusters of healthy cells that form together to try to protect the body for something. The only thing was that for, uh, in my situation, people with my diagnosis, they have no idea why the body is doing this. They can't find a cause for the body making all of these cells to band together and protect. And my body was doing it at an extremely fast rate. I begged my doctors from the time of my initial diagnosis in June of 2019 to just remove my breasts. I was like, just take them. I'm done. Um, at the time, I had I, I was the smallest I'd ever been. I'd already lost 130 pounds breastfeeding two kids. Like I was like, just take the breasts. Like I'm done with them. They're not serving me any good. Just take them. Because it was painful. Is it that part painful. of the reason? Yeah, it was extremely painful, and they were they were just refusing to do anything to help me. I only had it in um, one breast. They were refusing to do anything to help me. I was like, look, I'm going to cut it off myself if you guys don't do something. It was unbearable. I couldn't lift my right arm. Every time I would lift my arm, my, the flesh on my breast would just tear um, because these masses would just rip open. I had these open wounds all over my breast. Like I could stick my finger down inside. Um, And it was just, it was really bad. And nobody really knew how to help me. Finally, they agreed to give me a full mastectomy. They were going to take both breasts. But before that, they usually have the woman do a round of chemo because like I said, once they remove the breast and they're able to go into these masses, they're able to find um, a cancer cell. So I got a little nervous. My daughter got a little nervous. Um, You know, she heard the word chemo. And I think everybody finally then realized just how serious it was. Now, I do want to mention, because when I first got diagnosed and I shared about it, I've shared everything that's happened in my life over the last five years on our Instagram. You know, everyone's like, well, maybe it's the way that you're eating. It wasn't. Um, because a lot of the women that had this, they put them on an anti-inflammatory diet and they were able to see great improvement. They would ask them to lose weight and they were able to see great improvement. I'd already done those things. Like I couldn't get any, I couldn't get any smaller uh, without toppling over because my head was so big um, at the time. So there really was nothing that I was doing on my part. No doctors ever asked me about my diet, though. I do want to mention that. Um, but I knew that I was doing everything that I could um, with my diet to try to help this disease. So finally, when I'm getting ready to go for uh, surgery, to go for chemo, I decided, hey, all this medication they're giving me is not working. The pain medicine is not working. You know, they said that this was going to stop. And I had six masses um, over the period of June until uh, the beginning of December form. Now I got on steroids after my second one. So I had four more form after being on steroids when they told me that they weren't and they all ruptured except for my sixth one. So I decided I was going to do a water fast. I was just going to stop eating and I was going to allow my body to have a chance to heal itself. Even though I was still eating a really clean diet, I was eating a lot because I was on steroids. And like I said, it's really easy to gain weight eating a ketogenic diet because pepperoni and cheese and bacon, all that stuff is delicious. Being on steroids made me feel like I wanted to eat one of my kids. You yeah, know, so I didn't need my ma- kid. <laughs> good, good job not doing that. But yeah, not not to mention when you when you are taking steroids. I mean, high cortisol, high glucose, high insulin. You're storing more fat too. So it's a combination of all that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I ended up putting weight back on. It was the first time in my life that I ever gained weight without it being associated with some type of like, you know, really low emotional time. Obviously, I was emotional about having having this disease, but I stayed really positive throughout the entire thing. Um, you know, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I believe in God's healing power. Um, and so I just stayed focused on that because initially they did tell me that I had breast cancer. Um, and then they changed my diagnosis because they couldn't find the cancer cell after 14 biopsies. So the whole time I just looked at it from this place of gratitude that it was supposed to be cancer, but now it's not. Um, and this disease is not something that you can die from unless you get an infection inside one of the wounds. So so they diagnosed it with breast cancer. And then after 14 biopsies, they said, wait a minute, it's not breast cancer. How long, right. was, how long was that period? Uh, it was about almost three weeks. So I went January 2019 because I thought I had a lump in my breast. We have breast cancer on both sides of my family. And I went for ultrasound and mammogram and they were like, oh, we think, you know, it's maybe just the cyst. It'll go away. Come back in six months and we'll check. It was literally six months to the day, June, 2019. I'm in the shower. And because I lost so much weight, my breasts were like really saggy. 
I had to like lift them up to clean. I lift up and I feel this like mass inside about this big. And I was like, wait a second. I'm like, did I get, how do I get boobs again? Like, and then I felt my other one. I'm like, this doesn't feel right. Call my doctor right away. They send me in for another mammogram and ultrasound. Same people were there that did the mammogram and ultrasound in January. Real talkative, friendly lady. She's in the middle of talking, telling me about her grandson. The machine comes on and she just stops speaking. She goes out, she gets more doctors, more nurses, and like everybody's silent, yeah, pointing. That's not good. Yeah. And I knew right then, like I started crying. I'm like, this isn't what happened six months ago. And the doctor literally sat me down and asked me if I had someone to take care of my children. I'm like, for what? He's like, well, we think that we've caught it soon enough, but you have breast cancer. I'm like, you haven't even done biopsies. What are you talking about? He said, I've been diagnosing breast cancer for 40 years. I'm willing to bet my medical license on the fact that you have breast cancer. And I'm just like, literally, what in the world? Uh, I, I didn't know what to do at that point because just six months ago, you told me everything. Um, was fine. So really from that moment on, I just believed God that he was going to turn the situation around. I went back in the next day, 14 biopsies. It was really hard for them to do the biopsies because this mass was so big um, and so firm. Like it was really hard for them to get it extremely painful. And I got a phone call about two and a half, three weeks later. He's like, I don't know what's going on. I'm embarrassed, but I can't find a cancer cell. And I'm like, so I don't have breast cancer. He's like, well, I can't find a cancer cell. I'm like, so I don't have breast cancer. Like, well, you don't have breast cancer, but I don't know what it is. So let's just wait and see. And then over a period of, you know, the next probably four or five weeks, things just progressed and it got worse. And um, I saw probably every breast cancer specialist here in Maryland in and out of the hospital. It was horrible, but I stayed so positive throughout the entire thing again, because I was just grateful because of what they initially told me that that's not what I was being told now. So I learned a lot of really great life lessons. It might not be perfect but it always you know, could be worse. And just being thankful still in the midst of a season of my life um, that was terrible. And it was my faith that really led me to fast, not to try to you know, make my tumors magically go away, but really I just needed peace because I was getting ready to you know, undergo this major surgery. I was getting ready to undergo chemo. Um, my daughter was terrified and I wanted to look her in the eye and tell her that I had peace uh, because I was trying to give her something that I didn't have myself. So for 21 days, I ate no food, no bone broth, no lemon, no salt, nothing. The only thing I did was uh, drink water. And now from what I know about fasting, the best thing to do when you're fasting like that is to be in a completely rested state. I'm a mom, a wife, like I had a ton of stuff to do. So my detox wasn't like, I didn't feel as bad as someone who completely rests while they're doing a 21 day fast. I didn't work out, um, but I continued to cook for my family. I continued to do everything that um, I would normally do. I just moved a little bit slower uh, because my energy wasn't where it was supposed to be. After about 11 days, I had my first pain-free day um, in six wow. months. I woke up and I'll never forget waking up that morning and not being in pain, like being able to lift my arm and not screaming out in agony because I was in so much pain. And that's really what encouraged me to keep going because I wanted to stop so many times, um, but I just kept going. And at the end of the 21 days, I went back in to see my doctors at Johns Hopkins and my mass that was six centimeters had shrunk down to less than one centimeter. And they're like, wow what did you do? And I said, I did nothing. And they're like, what do you mean? What about your medicine? I said, I didn't take it. Now, mind you, this entire time I'm fasting, I saw doctors probably every three to five days. Not one person knew that I was fasting. Not one person asked me if I ate. Not one person said, your blood pressure looks crazy. Your glucose looks nothing. Nobody said anything to me. So, you know, if on day three, day five, day nine, day 11, if something was wrong, they would, but no one knew anything. They never asked. So I never told them just like they had never asked what I'd eaten. Um, and so they're like, well, let's, you know, postpone surgery and let's see what happens. So through probably the next three and a half, four weeks, we continued to monitor it. And my six mass ended up going away completely. It was the only one that mm -hmm. I had that didn't rupture. I ended up having a surgery a few months later to just remove some of the scar tissue in case the disease um, started back up again. So that was my 21 day fast. You never did chemo back then? I didn't. I, so I was able to avoid chemo awesome. um, because of that. So I only had to do chemo if I had uh, my breast completely removed. Right. Um, and since I was able to avoid that surgery, I didn't have to do it. And then probably about, I had my surgery. Then we had COVID hit in March. My surgery was supposed to be that March. It got pushed back to June of 2020. And so I've technically been in remission since January of 2020, but I had a surgery in June of, uh, June of 2020. I'm sorry, I might be getting my dates wrong, but I ended up starting to get pain again, probably about three or four months after my surgery. And it started to worry me. And I was like, wait a second, you know, they told me I might have some phantom pains, but they told me it could come back. The really, the only way to get rid of this disease is completely removing all the breast tissue. Um, so I got nervous and I was just like, you know what? I'm not dealing with this anymore. Um, so I said I was doing another 21 day fast. Um, but in my heart, I knew that I really wanted to go for 40 days. 
Um, but I didn't tell anyone because I knew everyone was going to say I was crazy. And with fasting, one of the most important things is your mindset. You know, and if you have people telling you you're going to die, you're going to drop dead, where's your six small meals? You're going to start thinking about it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's why I gave up on my 14 day fast. That was supposed to be a 21 day, but I gave up because I shared it with the internet and the internet convinced me I was dying like immediately. Um, so I just shared, you know, I was doing my 21 days and then day 21 came and I felt amazing. I didn't feel like I needed to stop. So I kept going on day 40. I got scared. <laughs> I got really scared. I'm like, I haven't eaten in 40 days. So my first time eating in 2021 was like February 9th or 10th. I wow. started my fat. Yeah. I started my fast on like New Year's Eve. Um, and my first time eating in 2021 was like the second week of February. Um, I broke my fast with some strawberries. I did it really slowly, really cautiously because of my research. I know that's probably the most dangerous part is the refeed process. You want to make sure um, that your electrolytes stay balanced and that you do it, you know, in a healthy way. People, yeah. some people go out and get milkshakes and then end up Not in the hospital. Not a good idea. Yeah. You, <laughs> yeah, can, you can kill yourself that you way. You can yeah. definitely kill yourself. So I did a really slow refeed process. I always do about half the length of the fast. So for about 20 days, I was really cautious about uh, the foods that I was eating, the portions that I was eating, slowly waking my digestive system back up. But I've been pain-free uh, ever since. So I know from you know what I know about autophagy, what I know about fasting, I know that I gave my body the space that it needed to actually heal itself. Um, the body's capable of amazing things if you just get out of its way. Mm, such an amazing story. So powerful. You're, you're right. Remove the interference, let your innate intelligence go to work. And that's exactly what happened. That autophagy, the healing. Kudos to you for doing this rather than going the conventional allopathic method of what most people would have done, chemo and then removal of the breast, which you didn't have to do. Thank God. Did you look at your glucose and ketones at all throughout the fast? Um, at some points I did the, probably the highest I ever got for my glucose. I'm, I'm sorry. The lowest I ever got for my glucose was about 43 that I measured. One of the times that I was interestingly enough, one of the times I was in the hospital when I wasn't fasting, it was like 41. I was there for like three hours and nobody had any idea. They come rushing in the room trying to give me glucose tablets. I'm like, what are you doing? They're like, your glucose is 41. I'm like, and? Like, are you going to cut my breast off or no? They're like, no, we want you to take this glucose. And I'm like, no, I'm not taking it. I feel fine. I think I'd probably, I, I was on like a, maybe a three-day fast or something like that. Your, your ketones were up, which is why you felt fine. Yeah. So my ketones, highest I've probably been able to measure, like 8.9, 9.3. Wow. But it was something because, you know, I had a lot of people that were asking questions and uh, wondering if I was doing it for weight loss and all of that. I tried to keep up with that, but really it started to mess with me mentally because that wasn't the reason um, that I was doing it. So I know I probably lost from the 41 day fast. I know I lost at least like 35 pounds. I took pictures and stuff like that, but it wasn't something. And I I documented it on our uh, YouTube channel, but most people are interested in fasting for the weight loss. I had Mm -hmm. to stay focused on what my reason for fasting was. And that was to be healthy and to get rid of this pain um, once and for all and not deal with it anymore. So yeah, it, it was, it was interesting. It was hard. Definitely one of the hardest things um, that I've ever done in my life, besides giving birth to my kids. Because at a certain point, I was terrified. Like the the fear of breaking the fast became greater than the desire that I had uh, to eat. And I wasn't hungry. Most people are really surprised to find when they fast. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll do a twenty four hour fast and they think they're gonna like eat their kid or something. They're surprised to find like, hey, it actually wasn't as hard as I thought. Um, but you know, for me, it, it wasn't. I wasn't, there was no time where I was hungry. I never experienced like my stomach grumbling or anything like that. I just became really bored of not eating food. And obviously with what I do on social media, Instagram, TikTok, I cook all day long. I make lunches all day long. So it's really helped with my discipline, um, my willpower, because I was making all of these foods that I didn't get to try. I didn't get to sample. Um, I would just smell and, and, you know, that was it. So it was really interesting. And I'm, it's one of those things that I look back on that I'm extremely proud of. I don't know that I'll ever do it again. But I know that um, if I'm ever in a situation when my health demands that I put that type of uh, intensity into it, that it's something that I can do. Yeah, it's amazing what the body can do. So kudos to you. I remember watching one of your, I was, as I was studying for the interview, you were on a YouTube video in your car, like on day 40, getting emotional. You know, I've done a five-day fast. I've never done longer than that. But I remember when I was on day three of my five-day fast, it's, it's a very spiritual experience. I personally got introverted 
And I remember my fiance, my girlfriend at the time, now my fiance, she was telling me like, why aren't you talking to me? <laughs> like I was, I just was in my head, in my thoughts. I had this GABA going and it's very spiritual. Like you tap into the, so it's way beyond just a physical healing. It's this emotional, spiritual healing. Did you experience that as well? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and now, so most people, if they know anything about fasting, it usually is from like some type of church or something that they've participated in. Every religion talks about yeah, fasting. Has yeah. some type of has some type of uh, fasting. I will say, I felt like if you gave me a launch pad, I probably would have tried to fly. Like I felt like there was nothing that I could not do. I definitely experienced that talking less, and and sometimes I felt like even if I talked too much, like uh, the videos that I recorded would take a lot of energy from me mm -hmm. because everything that I did was being fueled by my body fat. So it was like, everything was slower. The world kind of like slowed down. It was like things were moving in slow motion. Like the grass was greener and the birds sounded more beautiful. Like my kids weren't driving me as crazy. You know, it was just like, everything just kind of slowed down. And I really feel like that honestly helped me so much with my mental health. Uh, because we do so much work with the physical side that we really often forget the work that we need to do with our mental health. Like our bodies, we lose all of this weight, but we're still carrying the weight of depression and anxiety and self-hatred and self-loathing. We're still carrying the weight that those things have done to us mentally. And I feel like through that last fast that I did that 41 days, I had like this awakening. Like I saw like who I was, like in my contribution uh, to this earth, like I think from that, I walked away feeling like I mattered, like I had something to offer people and just this newfound like confidence. Like I'm not waiting for someone to tell me that I can really anything that I want to do, like I can do it if I believe that I can. Um, and so I'm so grateful for that, not just how it helped me uh, physically, but mentally as well. And I've had so many people after that tell me like, you seem like a totally different person. Like you have all this confidence. Like, where did it come from? And I'm like, I don't know. I just stopped eating. And then like 41 days later, I felt like this completely uh, new person. And I'm so thankful that um, I walked away, not just with the physical benefits, but also, also the mental health benefits. It also helps with like projects that you're working on. Like I cranked out so much work, like my folk taxes, all that stuff. Like I my taxes done in like three days. So usually it takes me like a whole <laughs> month to get that stuff done. I'm just like, wow, I feel like a superhero. Yeah, it's really a powerful tool. And, and you know what? It's a tool like a chainsaw. You got to know how to use a chainsaw. You got to know how to use fasting. So for those of you thinking of doing something like a block fast, work with somebody, do your research, go into it looking you know, at your glucose and ketones. Don't just jump into it. Because as we mentioned, there's so many things to consider. You do want to break it the right way. You do want to look at the glucose and ketones. But it could be such an amazing tool because when you're eating food, even if it's two meals a day, or the average American is 10 plus meals a day, it takes a lot of energy to process a meal. It diverts blood flow away from the brain to the gut. Now, when you're fasted, especially a block fast, three or more days, you have all of this blood flow, all of this digestion, and it's being diverted to healing the body. That's how smart the body is. It has this innate intelligence that it starts to think, okay, there's no food energy coming in. Where do we get energy from? Oh, let's go look for bad cells, inflamed cells, and mitochondria. Let's start repairing that and breaking it down, creating stem cells. And that's what you went through. And, the, and your your tumor, or uh, it wasn't a tumor, it was a mass, correct? Yeah, they called them masses. A, a mass. It was six centimeters down to zero. Is that what you said? Yep. That is a perfect example of the innate intelligence. So amazing, amazing share right there. Yeah, I try to share with people. So... You know, they tell us eat six small meals a day. Digestion takes anywhere from two to three hours. They tell you to eat every two to three hours. So your body's either constantly digesting or you're constantly eating. And 80% of our body's energy at least goes towards digestion. So we're walking around as like full-on adults, making decisions with our kids, our family, our job, using only 20% of our body's energy, brain power. So when you fast, even at night, that's why a lot of people have these like crazy dreams and get these ideas and all of this stuff is going on at night because your body finally gets a chance to have a break. Like you're constantly working your body, especially if you're eating right before you go to sleep, like those seven hours or six hours, the average person gets those first three, your body is still working on digestion. One of the most interesting things that I found that the longer I fast, the less I slept. And I felt like a zombie at some points because I was not tired. I wasn't tired. Like I was walking around, it would be like two o'clock in the morning and I'm like organizing stuff. Like I didn't have bags under my eyes. I felt great because 
most Americans, they go to bed tired and they wake up tired because they have all of this junk they're putting in their body. Their body has to process through spending two to three hours digesting that and then only two to three hours of actual sleep. So they're waking up uh, still tired. That's one of the greatest benefits. Like I, I got so much stuff done. Like when I'm coming up on like a deadline or a project, first thing I think of is fast. Like that's the most efficient way for me to do this. Yeah. And, and that's because your body actually thinks you're going through a famine. So it pumps you full of all of these uh, counter-regulatory hormones, energy. So it wants you to go out there and hunt and kill, but you're going to use that to just yeah. crush a project, yeah. crush your day. Organize taxes. Organize, yeah. Kids. And it, it actually takes even longer to process uh, a meal, not two to three hours, maybe if it's a snack, but if you have a full-on meal, it'll take over 10 hours. So to your point, like if you eat right before bed and it's a full meal, the six to eight hours you're asleep, you're, you're using a lot of that for processing that meal. Not a good idea. If you're anything like me, you spend a lot of money on supplements each month. Have you ever thought if these supplements are actually working for you? Are they attaching to your receptor sites and helping your cells do a specific job? What if you're not getting enough minerals? Or what if you have too much of something creating an imbalance in other minerals? Knowing this will not only save you money, but it'll also improve your health so you could balance out the vitamins and minerals that you really need. With that being said, how the heck do you know if you have a mineral imbalance? What I'm bringing you today is a chance to accurately test all of that at the comfort of your home. In this case, I'm talking about my friends over at Upgraded Formulas and their upgraded hair test kit and consultation. When you discover the truth here and what's going on with your body, you can vanquish any of those hidden deficiencies that are affecting your metabolism, thyroid, adrenals, mental performance, endurance, strength, and sleep, just to name a few. I've had Barton Scott on the show before, and he gave a masterclass on minerals. How this works is simple. You are sent a test kit, and you use some of your hair. You just cut off a short piece of your hair. It could be on your head or pubic hair. You send it back to them and they have your results. They also offer a consultation to go over your results with you. It's simple, it's effective, and it's one of the best tests to know if what you're doing is working for you or not. If you'd like to get your hands on their deficiency test and consultation, head to upgradedformulas.com. Use the coupon code KETOCAMP15 to receive 15% off your entire order. That is upgradedformulas.com. Use the coupon code KETOCAMP15 at checkout. We'll also drop a link down below. I'd like to transition here, Abby, to, to a little bit about... Uh, so somebody listening right now might have a family, might be a mom listening, a dad listening. They might have children. You have children. How many kids do you have? I have two. I have a 12-year-old daughter and a six-year-old son. So you have two beautiful children and uh, you're known for being a keto mom and your kids are, are, are doing keto. And you've got a lot of heat for it. Not a lot. I shouldn't say a lot. You've gotten we some, got a lot. <laughs> I don't know, but you've gotten some some heat for your kids eating real healthy fat and clean food. Share a little bit about some of the challenges you've gone through with the social media hate. And then we'll talk about how we could teach our kids to eat healthier. I mean, that's a great way to... I mean, you're living proof. So go ahead. Yeah, um, it's been crazy. So I made the decision to actually put our kids on keto probably at about year two for me. I was already eating that way. My husband had started eating that way. Um, my son, he actually had a referral to be evaluated for autism. He was nonverbal. He had a lot of behavioral issues. He was just a, a bear to be around. It was like he was a grown adult, like working three jobs, trying to figure out how he was going to pay his bills. Like he was just angry all the time, miserable. And I kept talking to his pediatrician about what he was eating. He was eating like goldfish. He was eating syrup, whipped cream, Tootsie Rolls. Um, at the time, it's so crazy to think now, I was giving my kid Dr. Pepper because it was what he wanted and it was what would keep him quiet. I remember I almost like fought a waitress because she watered down his Dr. Pepper. I'm like, you better give him all 43 <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I, would, I just cringe when I think about it now, but it just shows you how when you really learn about this, you really can uh, change. So I learned all of this. I watched this movie, The Magic Pill. There was a little girl in there. Her name was Abby, actually. She um, had autism and her diet was actually better than my son's was at the time. And so I was watching it and I started crying because I felt like this is what I'm, this is what I'm supposed to do for my son. This is how I'm going to help my son. I've been helping all these other people, um, but these are my children. God gave them to me to steward and I'm going to, to steward them properly. You know, I wasn't offering him meat because I was saying, oh, he's not going to eat it. He doesn't eat meat. Well, when's the last time you gave it to him, Abby? Well, I, I don't know because he didn't eat it, you know, that one time six months ago. So there's no way he would eat it now. 
like he wasn't eating yogurt or puddings or anything like that. Like he was eating straight up syrup. Like, and I was just like, you know what? I'm not even going to fight with the kid. I got a picture. He's got like fruit loops covered in syrup and he's got a spoon and he's just eating. It's so embarrassing. Sounds like me when I was a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Probably all of us. I was just like, you know what? I got to do this. So where we were living at the time, we we were getting ready to move and I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop buying all the foods that don't fit this lifestyle, all the foods that are filled with sugar. Like I didn't make an announcement, like the whole house is going keto. I just stopped buying it. And my daughter was like, where's the chef boy RD? I'm like, I don't know, but I just cooked, you know, I'm chef boy mommy, like, (laughs) you know, um, you know, so it was like, Oh, okay. Well, next time you go, can you get this? Yeah, sure. I'll try to remember. And I just never remembered. So we just started transitioning the stuff that was in the house. And when we moved, I just didn't take any of it with me. And I wanted to set up an environment that was safe for my kids where there were no foods that were off limits, no foods where I had to say, you can't have this until you do this and using it as a um, reward or, you know, if they found themselves at the bottom of the bag, it was going to be a miserable night. Um, We established one rule and that was meats before treats. Um, So they can eat whatever they want that's in the house. Everything in the house is low sugar, keto friendly, but as long as they've had some type of meat, it could be salmon, a burger, eggs, you could have it at five o'clock in the morning, whatever you eat after that, that's in the house is really up to them uh, to decide. We never forced food. Um, We just cooked and we offered it. We gave them the same foods we were eating. Like it drives me crazy. when I'm like, see parents that are like, oh, well, my kid doesn't eat, you know, a pork chop and green beans. They will only eat mac and cheese. I'm like, that's because you only bought two pork chops for you and your husband. Like if you bought them some and there was no mac and cheese there, I guarantee you they would eat it. Like we're not going to starve. So it was hard, really hard in the beginning. And we documented all of that on our YouTube and Instagram with my son specifically because he was younger and he was nonverbal, but literally within a week and a half, he started putting sentences together, started talking, his behavior completely just transformed like night and day. Um, And now he's, uh, he's six. He's been doing this for about four years now. He's basically about 95% carnivore. He eats ribeye, salmon and burgers, and then he'll occasionally have almond flour crackers. Um, He also eats eggs. Like he doesn't even really like bacon. But we saw a complete transformation in him. And we just, we've been sharing everything. So we shared that also. And we started getting a lot of uh, feedback, like this is child abuse, you're abusing your children. And, um, you know, they should have an orange, they need vitamin C, and they should have a banana, they need potassium, and just all of these things. And it was really overwhelming. And it really impacted my mental health. People were telling me I need to have my kids taken away. They were calling Child Protective Services on me. We ended up uh, getting our TikTok account shut down for child abuse. We were probably at about two or 300K. Our TikTok account went down for about a week. Mm -hmm. Um, And when they finally, I sent like 500 emails, when they finally brought it back up, it went down like 45 more times after that because of the backlog of reports that they had. All of these videos kept going viral just of me packing my kids lunch. Like my daughter has a lettuce wrap and hard boiled eggs and cheese and strawberries and blueberries and, you know, pepperoni and peppers. How dare you not give your kids processed carbs? I know. I'm like, if there was a little Debbie cake in there, they would have been fine. I know. Some Takis, some hot Cheetos in there, they would (laughs) have been fine. But feeding my kids this is absolutely insane. I'm like, these are whole foods. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand why this is an issue. Um, but I mean, we still get it to this day. And I videos will just, we'll wake up one day and a video will just decide to go off again. And people are, you need to have your kids taken away. You're giving them an eating disorder. Um, and in the beginning, I tried to go back and forth with people because I felt like my parenting was being attacked. But now I'm just like, I can't expect these people to understand what we're doing when they themselves are likely addicted to sugar. You yeah. know, you're, I'm asking you to do something that you can't even do for yourself as an adult. So when people come to me and say, how can I change my kid's diet? I'm like, how have you changed your diet? Like, it's not fair for you to be sitting here with a pack of Oreos, but tell your kid, no, you know, you've got to eat a hard boiled egg. That's not fair. Like, I hate you too, if I was your kid. Um, but leading by example, showing them, hey, these are the foods that we eat. And it's never that our children will never have Oreos or never have a donut. But for us, what we like to do is teach them that, hey, there's times for this. And there's times when like, this is our base life. So a birthday or a holiday or a special occasion. And that was after two years, I showed them for two years straight, we can do birthdays, we can do Christmas, I can make you a 4th of July spread with red, white and blue cake, all of it will be low sugar, keto friendly. Um, But then after that, as we started to get a really good handle on it, as this being our lifestyle, it became something where, okay, it's birthday time. If you want to have a regular cake, you can, Um, but they are actually able to self-regulate and say, Hey mom, like I'm done with the sugar. Like my son thinks that he can just order something without sugar. And that just solves it. He's like, Oh, let's just get pancakes from McDonald's and just get mine without the sugar. I'm like, I wish it worked (laughs) that way, but it doesn't, you know, because to him, I, I have a keto pancake, but then there's also 
a McDonald's pancake, it's hard for him to really understand um, the difference. That was probably one of the harder things and where we would have meltdowns because he just gave me a pancake at home and now we're at Santa's breakfast at the fire station and he's got pancakes. You just made me eat those and now I can't eat these. So we had to do a lot in the beginning to try to accommodate that because of his age. But honestly, it was definitely worth it. It was switching my children's diet was much harder than doing my own um, because for parents, and unless you have kids, you don't understand this. For parents, sometimes we just have to do the most convenient thing. Like it is not convenient to feed your children keto, but I had to just make the decision that I'm going to prioritize my children's health above my convenience. And when they turn 18, if they want to change the way that they eat, that's completely on them. But for so long as they're my responsibility, my 12-year-old's not going to be addicted to drugs and she's not going to be addicted to sugar. And that's just not open for discussion. We brush our teeth, we learn to read, and we go to school. And really, if you can't understand it, I'm sorry. Like, this is how we live. Yeah, no, I love it. You you are the parent. They are the children. You know, you're they're under 18, so they need to heed your advice. So for parents listening and watching, you gave some great tips. You know, first of all, you made... You didn't announce we're all eating whole foods and going keto. Yeah. You slowly made the transition. So you started to forget. Oh, I forgot the Pop-Tart, right? Or I forgot this. And you started to replace it with healthier whole foods. And their palate will adjust. I mean, to your point, your, your kid's palate's adjusted. It might take a, a couple of days or a couple of weeks or even longer, but eventually they'll adjust. And they're, they're not going to starve. They're going to want to eat something. Yeah. They'll eat. And protein is so satiating. So once they start eating that, they're going to feel even more full. So kudos to you. Way to to keep doing it. I know you got a great TikTok over 770,000 followers on there. I think that's your biggest platform, right? Yeah, definitely. uh, Which is at House of Keto. You're also... uh, Your website is thehouseofketo.com. Instagram is at House of Keto as well? A house.of.keto. House. Okay, we'll put that down below. And then we're also... Me and you, uh, when I say we're... We're, we're speaking at the same event, two events this year, uh, yeah. which I wanted to share a little bit about. So KetoCon in Austin, Texas, which you're going to be speaking at in where July 8th through July 10th, 2022 at the Palmer Center in Austin, Texas. Do you know what you're speaking about at KetoCon yet? I believe I'm going to be talking about kids and keto. Awesome. So kids and keto, you're going to be there. I'm going to be speaking as well. And then in August... 4th through August 7th at the Keto Orlando Summit at the Hilton Resort in Orlando. We're both going to be speaking there as well. So we're going to put links for both of that. Me and Abby would love to see you all in yeah. person. It's going to be amazing. It's such a blessing to do in-person events. Are there any, any other events you're speaking at so far this year? Um, I think I'm doing Keto Salt Lake in April. And I think I have a couple more this year as well. I'm super excited about it. I think I'm doing a low-carb cruise in May. So I'm, awesome. I'm, I'm excited about that. We had we had a lot of stuff scheduled for last year, but we had a lot of stuff obviously get shut down because of uh, COVID and all of that. So I'm excited uh, to get out there, meet people, and just share something that I know we're both uh, so passionate about. And it's always cool to see it come from people that have actually been there. I know when I was struggling with my weight, it was really hard to see people that looked like they had never even had a donut try to explain to me what it feels like. Um, and then at that time, there was really nobody speaking uh, to the mental health side of it. And that's why I love what you do when in your uh, keto camp, you guys talk a lot about that, about the headspace and just being mm. positive and all of that. Um, and I really think that that it goes hand in hand because you can fix someone's diet. You can take everything out of their kitchen and give them the foods that you want them to eat. But we, we really went in the mind first. So I'm, I'm really excited to um, be a part of the work that we're doing this year. Amen. Amen. I agree. Intercise before you exercise. I, I'm also, I didn't realize you're speaking at the Keto Salt Lake. So that's April 15th through 16th. I'll be speaking there too. So I'll see you at three, oh, yeah. three events. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> so we'll put that down below. Where else can they check you out? Uh, Thehouseofketo.com. Anything else I didn't mention? Oh um, no, Instagram, Instagram, Instagram is probably the platform that we're on the most. I cook live um, a couple nights a week there on the fly. Like I just make up stuff. Um, but a lot of our recipes and stuff get posted to uh, TikTok and Instagram as well. So we'll put all of your social media down below. Go follow Abby. You're also on YouTube. We'll put your YouTube channel there as well. I uh, can't wait to see you at some of the events this year, Abby. Thank you for being so open and, and sharing some of your pain to purpose journey with us. It's really inspiring. I think the conversation inspired so many of the keto campers who listen today. So I want to acknowledge you for how you show up and serve your family and serve the community out there. And I uh, can't wait to see you in person this year. Thank you so much. It was uh, a pleasure to be here. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Abby. Go check her out on her social media. She's awesome. Go follow her. Go to her website. We're going to put all of her links down below. And maybe you'll see us both in person at one of the events that we mentioned. So we have 
Keto Salt Lake in April. There's a link for that down below. We have Keto Con in June. That's going to be in Austin, Texas. So Keto Salt Lake is in Salt Lake City. Austin, Texas is for the Keto Con in June. And then the Keto Orlando Summit in Orlando, Florida in August. So come to all of them or come to one of them, but we would love to see you. And uh, go check out her website, which is thehouseofketo.com. Share this episode with a friend, maybe some parents you know who are struggling to get their kids to eat healthier. And please leave the podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcast. Last reminder here, learn more about my 90-day detox program starting at the end of February. But once we reach 20 people, we're closing it out by heading to Keto Camp Detox. We'll drop a link down below. Thank you so much for listening to the entire episode. I'll see you on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.